from Nouvelle Nouveau, the Tumblr account of Elisa Lam, listed under the hashtag depression. Quote, What is depression like? He whispered. It's like drowning, except you can see everyone around you breathing. End quote. Not just pretty words. As a child, I often dreamed of drowning. My parents have a large in-ground pool in their backyard, and in the dream, I would be swimming in it. The air and the water would start out warm, but soon it would turn cold and I would want to get out. Swimming toward the ladder, I would notice that somehow the ladder was gone, and the sides of the pool had begun to grow taller, but the water level had stayed the same. I would try desperately to grab the sides, but the distance was too great, and I couldn't get out. This effort would be exhausting, so I would swim toward the shallow end, remembering the steps and feeling relief that I would simply be able to stand up. But no such luck. Where there once were stairs, there was now only a wall, and the bottom had extended beyond the point where I could stand. The pool was now a pit, the cheerful blue color now extending far beyond my reach so that only the trees in the yard and the sky were visible. I was trapped, treading water, hopelessly, trying to scream, but I had made one fatal error and I knew it. I went in alone. You never go in alone. I slip underwater as my legs turn to jelly, knowing that this is the end. I give one final kick and <gasps> I'm in my bed. The pool was a dream, but the kick was real. I haven't had this dream in years, but the memory of it has stuck with me in vivid technicolor, and I will always remember to keep my head above water and never ever go in alone. I'm Holly. I'm Leslie. And we would be dead. We would be dead. horrified oh yeah that was horrifying for sure i hate that dream i used to have it non-stop when i was a kid i had it all the time yeah i had i had a lot of drowning dreams as well um did you ever so that when you kicked your way out right like you kicked yourself awake yeah mm-hmm. um did you ever die in yours no did you? That's happened to me. Yeah. Wow. Almost every time where, but it's a weird feeling because I remember learning that when you die drowning, sometimes it could be kind of a peaceful death. They mm -hmm. say it makes you feel, they say it makes you feel like you're back in your mother's womb almost. Oh. And so it's very warming. Um, obviously not up until that point, but just like that last second, they say it could be very peaceful. Some people that have come back from it. Yes. And, uh, two minutes of panic followed by that. Yes. <laughs> so in the dream, it's always, it always ends with just blackness. And it's, it, I would say probably a couple seconds of it just being dark and peaceful. And then Ooh. I wake up. Oh, I hate that though. I know I do too. Oh but God. Yeah. 
No, yep. I would always in my drowning dreams. <laughs> Yikes! Yours is way more bleak than mine. Oh, I don't know. They're both pretty bleak. I would just be like mm-hmm. struggling and then actually kick my real life leg and wake up. Yeah, it happened every. You know, like when you startle yourself awake. That's how it would happen every time. I did not care for it very much. Yeah, but it is very um, appropriate for this week's subject. So let's let's get into it. Hey, Leslie. Hey, Holly. Hey, fiends. Hope you all had a safe and pleasant Memorial Day weekend. I know a lot of us were taken in by this horrible and local to a lot of us case, um, the case of Peter Manfredonia, the University of Connecticut student who went on an inexplicable murder spree. Manfredonia killed two people, injured one, and kidnapped another. A six-day manhunt ensued that kept us on the edge of our seats over the Facebook group. And I never thought I would pay so much attention to the state of Connecticut's police department Facebook page, but here we are. (laughs) Welcome to my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be a lot more interesting to you, I suppose. Yeah. (laughs) This case is obviously ongoing and a motive has yet to be identified, but as soon as adequate information is available, rest assured, we will absolutely cover it. Yes. I'm just so glad they caught him. Oh, me too. I didn't sleep for a full night. Mm -mm. Nope. My brother was talking about going to the Poconos, and I was like, you need to wait. No, Adam. <laughs> I know. I was so mad at him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't blame you. I like nowhere. We're nowhere near where he actually was, and I was still, like, watching my doors and, like, sitting up in my bed. Yeah, for sure. I have I have friends that live around that area, so. Ugh. That's so tough. scary. Mm-hmm. And I knew a teacher that was in the Sandy Hook shooting. Oh, she my God. was one of them that died. She was from my hometown, so. When I saw that he lived on a similar street, it was like the same area. I was like, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> yeah, hasn't that area been through enough? Jeez. Yeah. Plus he had like, there was no rhyme or reason seemingly to what he did. It was just like random, mm-hmm. which makes it twice as frightening. So that's that. I'm going to move on from that because I know we don't have a lot tonight, but I just wanted to touch on it because we all found it pretty pretty interesting and and we will come back to it. We're, we All our eyes are on it now. So, okay, please, or just normal housekeeping, if you have not done so already, hop over to the Apple Podcasts site and leave us a five-star review. I know Leslie has told us once before, but like, I think that's the only kind of review you can leave, right? Yeah, I double-checked it. it. It is. Okay, cool. I'm glad that you're on that for us. Yeah. And it's okay if you accidentally hit any of the other stars, you could easily fix it to the five-star. So that you'll so be counted. Just- Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We live for your (laughs) validating words. They are what keep us young. Thank you to username Find the Bunny this week for the kind words. I can already feel my fine lines reducing. Mm. Isn't that nice? You feel dewy and useful. You look so young. (laughs) Thank you. Also, if you like what you're hearing, you can move this little podcast along by supporting us on Patreon. Every little bit helps. Um... And the link will be in the show notes and in our social media. So I think that's all the stuff. You have any stuff? I have no stuff. Cool. Then let's move on to the main event. On the morning of February 19th, 2013, the manager at the infamous Cecil Hotel, located on the infamous Skid Row of Little Shop of Horrors fame in Los Angeles, California. There's a lot of infamy in this one decided it might be time to see what was going on with the water. Guests had been complaining that they had little to no water pressure or that the water was coming out from their tap 
black or brown and sludgy, and then it would run through clear. They said that the water smelled foul, and any guest who was brave enough to actually put this suspicious liquid into their mouth would report that it, quote, tasted off, some even saying it was curiously sweet, a fact that I loathe. Yeah. (laughs) So maintenance would take the elevator up to the 15th floor where they would then go through several locked doors and disable the alarm system. They would then drag their ladder over to the large cisterns on top of the hotel, which were holding tanks for the water. And when they did so, they noticed something strange. One of the hatches to one of the large holding tanks was open. Now, these water tanks are like 10 foot tall and four and a half foot or more wide. They're very large, but the hatch is flat on top. Maintenance man Santiago Lopez would climb the ladder to look inside the tank and moments later tell authorities that, quote, I noticed the hatch to the main water tank was open and looked inside and saw an Asian woman lying face up in the water approximately 12 inches from the top of the tank. She was too far down to reach the sides. So I know that feeling well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the water level was about a foot short of the top. If you can kind of picture a glass not filled to the top, that's, that's what we had going on there and this woman would have been too far down to be able to reach and pull herself out. The only entrance to the water tanks were the small hatches on the very top, which were just big enough for you. Like if you were going to get in, it would just be enough for you to stand up straight and slide in. So firefighters had to cut a hole in the side of the tank to remove the newly discovered body. She was completely nude with her clothing, shoes, wristwatch, and hotel key located in the tank along with her. It was quickly determined that the body they found was that of 21-year-old Elisa Lamb, who had been staying at the Cecil nearly three weeks earlier when she was reported missing to the LAPD by her parents. Elisa was scheduled to check out of the Cecil on January 31st and head to Santa Cruz. Elisa had a habit of contacting her parents every day while she was traveling. She is not from Los Angeles. She was there on vacation. So every day while she was away, she would call her parents. And this is really sage advice for anyone who travels alone. Leave a trail of breadcrumbs, no matter how safe you think you are, call and check in every day. It's just smart business. But on this day, January 31st, she failed to do so. When her parents realized that the day had came and went without a call from Elisa and that they were unable to reach her by phone or email. Her parents did the right thing and called the damn cops. Good job, parents. I know. I didn't find their name in any articles and I'm kind of sad about it because like they deserve to have their name mentioned, but maybe it's not out there because they don't want it. I don't know. As it turns out, Elisa had come to California on vacation and had previously been to San Diego, posting pictures of herself visiting the zoo. Uh, Elisa was originally scheduled to share a room in a hostel with friends when she arrived in Los Angeles. She was traveling alone, but at this point in time, she was supposedly going to meet up with people and share that time with them. However, it was reported that her recent strange behavior caused these companions to request different arrangements and Elisa ended up staying in a room at the Cecil all by herself. Hmm, curious. Yeah, 
Yeah, so she was acting funny and people were like, "Mm, maybe we shouldn't all stay in the same room. Red flag. After her parents reported her missing, the police, police launched an investigation. Elisa's things were still unpacked in her hotel room, and when authorities canvassed the area, Katie Orphan, a local bookshop owner, said that she had seen Elisa the previous day. She reported that Elisa was chipper and friendly and told her that she was buying souvenirs for her family back home in Canada. She did not appear stressed or agitated and completed her transaction pleasantly and without incident. Katie Orphan, whose name, by the way, should belong to like a cartoon rock star. Yeah. Right? (laughs) That would be great. No shame in that, Katie Orphan. That's an amazing name. Get her a cartoon. Seriously. Well, she thought nothing of it. I mean, and why would she? This was a normal shop visit from a pleasant person. Hotel staff that had seen and interacted with Elisa that day could only say that they saw her alone. So she was always by herself. Police had searched the hotel after she was reported missing as thoroughly as was legally possible. You can't just go barging into people's rooms without probable cause. So they went in the rooms that they could and the other was kind of... I guess they ignored them. They even checked on the roof, but found nothing. Now, mind you, the open water tank hatch is on the top of the 10-foot tank, which is on top of a platform, and it's not very eye-catching if you're not looking for that. Hmm. The whole thing is flat. It's not like it was, like, open and very obvious. You would have... I don't think they noticed it was open, the the maintenance guy said, until he climbed up there and saw it open. Oh, okay. So it's like an opening that would be flush with the surface, And the hatch would swing open and also be flat. I gotcha. So from the ground, you wouldn't, no alarm bells would ring. So we can't be too cross with the police about not seeing that. Canine officers even brought dogs through the hotel to try and track Elisa's scent, but they were unable to do so conclusively and did not sniff out any evidence of her while they were on the roof. They did, however, track Elisa's scent all the way to a window, which led to a fire escape on the 13th floor, and stopped there. With no further evidence or leads, the police and Elisa's family had decided to go to the press on February 6th. This is pretty common in cases like this. Once they do their, like, covert stuff, they kind of need to ask the public if anybody saw anything. Right. And that's the best way to do it. I mean, we saw it with Richard Chase and a bunch of other cases so not a weird thing to do they were hoping that someone had seen elisa or knew where she was there were a few reports that she had been seen the night of the 30th in the company of some boys but nothing has nothing ever came of that we never found these boys the claim was never substantiated it's just something some people said nine days later on february 15th when more leads still did not show up so the lapd is working with nothing They decide to release a video of the last known sighting and most likely the last few hours of Elisa Lam's life. It is a security video taken from an elevator in the Cecil Hotel, and it is unsettling. It's very unsettling. I can't, it's hard to pin down exactly why it's so scary, but it is. I think because there's no sound to it. That's one of them, yeah. And her mannerisms are just so wacky mm-hmm. that I, I don't know. It just, it's it's freaky. Also, you know that it's the last video of her. Right. So when she gets off the elevator, she is essentially going to her death. 
it looks very much like one side of a conversation, too. Yes. Mm -hmm. She's talking to somebody. Oh, well. Whether it's herself yeah. or... But, but you see, it looks like there's a response happening that she waits for and then keeps mm -hmm. going. I think that's that's the most unsettling part of it. But okay, um, this video is is widely available. And if you have not yet seen it, I want you to... And, and you want to. You don't have to if you don't want to because I'm going to describe it for you. But if you want to see it, this is the time to do it. So hit pause. I will put a link on our social medias and in the show notes for this episode. And you can watch the video and come back so that you can be on the same page as us. If you choose to be. It's spooky. And if you don't want to watch it, I totally get it. But it's there for you. So welcome back. Pretty spooky, right? <laughs> For those of you who do not wish to watch, I'll give you the basic overview. The video begins with an empty elevator. The door is open and Elisa enters wearing a red zip-up hooded sweatshirt over a gray t-shirt with black shorts and sandals. And this is the clothing that is later found in the water tank with her, along with her undergarments. She enters from the left and goes to the control panel where she very purposefully selects several floors, nearly all the buttons in the first column. She just pick, pushes them, boop, 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 boop. And she crouches down to do it. She like puts her hands on her legs, crouches down, and then just pushes all the buttons. Then she steps back into the corner. Now she looks giddy, almost like she's playing a game too. After a few seconds, during which the door fails to close, she steps up to it, leans forward so that her head is through the door, looks in both directions, and then quickly steps back in, backing up to the wall, and then into the corner near the control panel. So she's got her back to like the, the buttons, and she's like, so nobody could see her if they came in the elevator almost. The door remains open. Now, at this point, I my brain always tells me, and I've watched this video several times, that she's trying to make the door close. Just in the beginning, that's what it seems like to me. Like, the door will not close. So you step in, you step out, you try and make it so the sensor can't see you. You, like, do all that. I mean, if the elevator door wasn't closing, we all would kind of do a few weird things to try and make it happen. Elevator doors don't usually give one a casual amount of time to make sure they're ready for movement. <laughs> you know, like the elevator is usually closing on you if you're standing, even if you're standing in the middle where the sensor is, frequently it'll start to close and then move. Right, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I can see where where that would make sense. So yeah, my brain always goes in the beginning to she's trying to get the door to close. But it keeps going. <laughs> then... After all of this, Elisa walks to the door again, stands in the doorway, leading to the side, and suddenly she steps out of the elevator and into the hall. Then to her side, back into the elevator, looking to the side, then back out of the elevator. She then steps sideways again for a few seconds and is mostly invisible behind, um, like out of sight of the elevator, out of the door by the wall. And she has her back to that, so you can't really see any of her except for her hands. The door remains open this whole time, which is a crazy amount of time for an elevator door to be open. I cannot stress that enough. Her right arm can be seen going up to her head, and then she turns to re-enter the elevator, putting both hands on the side of the door. She then goes to the control panel, presses a bunch more buttons, some more than once, and then returns to the wall that she had come into the elevator from, putting both hands over her ears again briefly as she walks back to the section of the wall she had been standing against before. The door is still open. 
She turns to her right and begins rubbing her forearms together, then waves her hands out to her sides with palms flat and fingers outstretched while bowing forward slightly and rocking gently. This motion is very strange and looks very purposeful. You know, when she was, she's doing, I'm motioning to Leslie and you can't see it, when she's doing like this thing. Oh, yes. It, it looks like something. I just, nobody knows what, but it looks like. I don't know. It's so unnerving though. It doesn't look accidental though. Mm -mm. You know what I mean? It looks like if you were talking with your hands and you were describing a situation you were in, that would be some sort of weird hand gesture you were doing. Mm. That's what it looks like. But we will see later that appearances can be deceiving. This all can be seen through the door, which is still fucking open. After she backs to the wall again and walks away to the left, the door finally closes. This video was reposted widely, including being posted to the Chinese video sharing site called Yuku, where it got 3 million views and 40,000 comments in his first 10 days. So this went creepy viral real, real, real fast. And many commenters found it as unsettling to watch as we did. Because of course they did. Yeah. Oh boy. The whole experience of watching this video is so stressful. I'm stressed just listening to you talk about it again. Did you? I like <laughs> held my breath the whole time I was watching it. Yeah. And in the beginning, she's not in the elevator. It's an empty elevator. So you have a few minutes before she gets in. And the whole time I'm just sitting there like, what's going to happen when she comes in? Like she's going to be something mm -hmm. scary. She's not. She's just a person. But it's still like a very edge of your seat experience. <laughs> Can you... <laughs> Can you imagine being the detective or police officer that came upon this, like combing through videos of the elevator and then you find that shit? Yeah, I don't know how I would feel. There, that's going to haunt whoever that was forever. There is no chance it will leave their brain ever again. Mm -mm. It's not going to leave my brain. It, yep, nope, it, it has not left mine. <laughs> We did warn them. So if they I'm watched like it. so stressed. I know. This is a really stressful <laughs> <I'm sorry>. one. <laughs> uh, so there's a few curious things about this video. One of them is that the timestamp is completely illegible. And there are times where people will claim that Elisa's mouth appears to be pixelated as though someone were trying to obscure what she was saying or cover up the fact that they cut out a section of the video by obscuring the timestamp. Um. So people say that this is proof that someone had tampered with this video to, like I said, take a piece out or to completely erase evidence of a second person in that elevator with her or someone that it caught sight of standing outside of the elevator talking to her. Hmm. What I see, though, is a crappy, grainy video. The timestamp is illegible because it's subpar and her mouth looks pixelated because the whole freaking thing looks pixelated. Yeah, I think that would be way too much effort gone into this particular situation. Well, there are a lot of people that think this is like a massive cover-up, but we'll get into that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't know much about this story, so. Oh, there are so many conspiracy theories, um, which I, yeah. I will get into some of them. Some of them just don't deserve attention, so I'm not giving it to them. Yeah. But there are so many like still captures of this video online where people are circling like a dust moat that they claim is someone else's hand holding a gun. It's nuts. But but it's out there in the world. And it does, however, look like she is talking to someone or 
talking to herself while playing hide and seek or something and expecting someone to show up at any moment. That's what it really looks like to me. Like she's ducking by the wall and being like, oh my gosh, they won't find me. And then popping out, expecting to see someone, but not seeing them. Okay. That's just one of the many things. So the video was obviously an internet and media sensation, and it still is. Four days after the video was released, Elisa's body was found in the water tank on the roof of the Cecil. Law enforcement said that upon discovery, foul play was, quote, not ruled out. Many people speculated that Elisa had been drugged or was on recreational drugs at the time of her death, which would explain her extremely unusual elevator etiquette. Still, other people speculated there was someone with her who took her life in a rape-gone-wrong situation. Many people think it could have been a hotel employee, and that is how she made it to the roof. They suspect that she was put in the hatch already dead to hide the evidence of a crime. Mm. Now, these all seem kind of reasonable. So what really happened? Well, there is a very sciencey explanation that I will get into shortly, but let's get some completely bananas in pajamas theories out of the way first. And there are so, so, so many of them. But we'll try to hit the ones that people have latched onto the strongest. I refuse to acknowledge the fact that people think Elisa was assassinated by a person in an invisibility cloak. I'm not kidding. That is on the internet. That is a thing people believe. Or that the ghost of Alastair Crowley came and snatched her in some kind of evil time-traveling hotel mix-up farce. There is or was a Cecil Hotel in London. Alastair Crowley was there, not in Los Angeles. Do your research, dummies. Oh, my God. Also, get out of here with that nonsense. Get right the fuck out. After extremely exhaustingly researching this case, I feel like I sort of got to know Elisa this week. And I refuse to let her go down like that. Take off your tinfoil hat. Bring it elsewhere. Shoot. Man. I know. it's there's. I mean, there's more crazy than anyone could possibly handle um, about this case. And Harry Potter is the one with the invisibility cloak. He wouldn't do this. He wouldn't. But she did love Harry Potter. Mm. He's all over her Tumblr See, account. So he definitely wouldn't have done this. Now, the reason people think that, and I said I wasn't going to say it, but I'll just give you, is because um, there's a ba- apparently a company right in the area that experiments with using light to make things camouflaged, which is a thing. It is, yeah. It's a separate thing from an invisibility cloak. For sure. <laughs> but <Yes. laughs> it's that alien technology, Alex. Get out of here. I'm sure there is an alien theory somewhere about her. I just didn't run into it. And thank God, because I would have hated it so, so much more. (laughs) So the following portion of of my spiel this week is going to kind of resemble the end of the movie Clue, you know, where we run through all the possible endings before explaining the real answer. Like it could have happened like this, or it could have happened like this. And then I'll give you the real answer, or at least what most of the thinking world believes to be the right answer. And Leslie gets to to guest star in one of these super crazy ones. So she's coming. Woo. Now, Elisa could have met and become acquainted with an employee of the hotel. She could have been playing around with him in the elevator. This person would have known how to avoid all the security cameras because as an employee of the hotel, they would know where they were and probably seen footage of the areas they shot. They would have had the keys to the locked doors and the alarm code for the door leading to the roof. Many people believe that this person was threatening Elisa with a gun and instructing her to kind of act casual in front of the camera. Or 
she was playing around with him because she liked him. These are both theories. He would have taken her to the roof where he raped and killed her and then disposed of her body in the water tank, which sounds plausible, except Elisa's body had absolutely no signs of struggle and medical examiners state that drowning was her cause of death. A lot of people like to say there was no water in her lungs. That is untrue. There was water in her lungs. They found it post-mortem. They are unclear as to whether her death was accidental or not. This is a very shady, actual shady part of the autopsy report. There are two boxes checked. The box that says accidental is checked. Then the box that says, like, mystery, non-accidental is also checked. So, yeah. Uh, It kind of looks like they checked one box and then decided on another one, but you can't really tell which one happened. Why? So, I'll give him that. That's shady. Elisa did not, however, exhibit any of the injuries associated with suffocation or strangulation. So there was no bruising or hemorrhaging or anything like that. So she was clearly wasn't suffocated or strangled. Her only injury was a scrape on her knee, which medical examiners posit was done while she climbed into the tank. But, you say, perhaps he threw her in there alive and left her, which is a horrifying thought. Maybe. She still would have drowned, but there was no evidence that Elisa was raped or even had engaged in sexual intercourse recently. The autopsy report does record subcutaneous pooling of blood in Elisa's anal area and her rectum was also prolapsed, which some observers want to pin on some kind of sexual encounter. However, the pathologist has noted it was much more likely to have resulted from bloating in the course of the body's decomposition. Now remember, she was in that tank for 19 days. That is a long time to be marinating in water. Oh my God, it's so bananas. It is. I'm not going to go super into what happens to a body when it's in water for that long, but your features are not the same. (laughs) Your skin slips all around and your coloration is... Hers was said to be green and marbled in some areas. So she was in an advanced state of putrefaction. So a lot of these things could happen. You can't really say, oh, that's proof of rape when it was just something that happens to a lot of people that have been marinated in water for 19 days. (laughs) Hopefully that's not a lot of people in general, but I digress. No. (laughs) But you know what? People see what they want to see. And if they want to see that as proof of their theory, they're going to. So if she wasn't raped, this begs the question, why would someone just take her up there and throw her in the tank? To steal her phone? They never found her phone. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, does it look like something... Like, if you went up there and say say it was this boy, mm-hmm. that kind of theory, does it look like something that would be cute to get in to swim in? Would you be like, oh, let's take a dip, and she got in there? It or looks- no, like, would she have been... I mean, no. she's old enough to know that that probably wouldn't have been a safe thing to do right well also it's very dark and the hatch is small so it wouldn't let a lot of light in so and you have no idea what the water level would be you're just going into it so you don't know if you could get out would she have known that it was definitely a water tank uh yeah i think so i think we can assume that you would know what that was okay that's what it looks like 
And perhaps she could see the surface of the water, but that kind of thing, again, can be deceiving. I don't, I see your point in like, maybe we'll go for a swim, but then how did he get out? I feel like he didn't go in. Okay. I feel like she went in first. And then he was like, fuck this and ran away? Well, if if we're trying to say that he was just trying to kill her. Yeah. Okay. And that- Yeah, then- And mm-hmm. that would lead to the eventuality. That is a path that could have been taken. It just doesn't seem- immensely likely for just a phone because police found all of her possessions in her room still there. No one stolen any of her money or bank cards. No one had gone. uh, There was no proof that she had been raped. Again, this would have to be somebody that just wanted to like watch her drown. Also, there's no footage of any other person. Mysterious. But that's a theory that a lot of people place a lot of stock in. It is unlikely, but it could have happened like that. Elisa also could have met some boys at a party earlier in the evening, as some people have claimed, though we never found these boys, and done recreational drugs with them or been slipped GHB or Rohypnol, and then the events of the evening would have unfolded similar to what we just discussed. Same thing could have happened. They could have been trying to get her up on the roof to take advantage of her. But toxicology reports show that there is no evidence of any recreational drugs in her system whatsoever, and only 0.2% of ethyl alcohol is in her blood, which is normal for a severely decomposed, bloated water body. Chemistry changes when you're dead. Stuff ferments. In fact... Elisa had what one could call not enough drugs in her system at her time of death, but we will get to that shortly. Elisa also could have simply gone up to the roof to kill herself. But why pick such a ghastly protracted method when she could have simply jumped? I don't know. If you could go to the roof of a hotel to kill yourself, I don't know that a lengthy drowning would be preferable over the alternative. Also, we'll find out in a few moments that she had a storehouse of medication for mental health problems that she could have just swallowed all of if she wanted to kill herself. Hmm. But some people still say that's what she did, that she was upset and she went up there and she went to drown herself in the water tank. Very dramatic. There is one more really out there theory that is common to the story, but it unfolds like an amazing episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark or a moody Japanese horror movie without the gore, so I'll allow it. Leslie, would you care to tell us about a terrifying elevator game? Oh my God, this is so creepy. So it's called The Elevator Game or The Korean Elevator Game, and it was started in 2010. It She definitely wasn't playing this because if she was, it just, the game never started based on Mm. what she did. So the way the game works is you can play it in any building that has at least 10 floors. Okay, check. And an elevator. Check. You get in the elevator and you have to be the only person in the elevator. You have to do this game alone. Check again. So far, so good. You press the button to go to the fourth floor. And again... Which she did. Okay. Um... When you get to that floor, uh, and this is going to be consistent. So she's uh, the way that you play the game, you're going to go to a couple different floors. And at any time, if anybody else gets in the elevator with you, uh, you have to start over again. Okay. 
Oh, so that that makes this like, well, it wasn't impossible for her seemingly, but it seems like pretty hard to get that to happen in a hotel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, the way the game is played, you get in the elevator all by yourself. You go to the fourth floor. The doors open, they close. You go to the second floor. Doors open, they close. You go to the sixth floor. Same thing. Then the second floor. And then you go up to the 10th floor. Then you go down to the fifth floor. And when the fifth floor doors open, there is a woman that will be standing there and will walk into the elevator. Nope. You do not look at her. You do not talk to her. She may look like somebody that you know, but do not engage. If you do engage, she can pull you into her reality. She's not from our reality. So the whole point of this game is to go to a different reality. Oh, but I hate it. You don't want to be folded. You don't want to be pulled by dark forces. No, I do not. So after the fifth floor, after you're on the fifth floor and she comes into the elevator, you press um, for the first floor. Now, if the elevator descends to the first floor like it should, then just get out immediately. The game is over. You're done. Just get out. However, what can happen is the elevator might instead start ascending to the 10th floor. When the doors open on the 10th floor, you can then decide to either get out of the elevator or stay in it and go back down to the first floor and get out. If you get out on the 10th floor... What happens if you get out? If you get out on the 10th floor, you are now in a whole other reality. And the way that you will know this is because you will be the only one there. This is a whole world where it's just you. No one else exists. When you get out of the elevator, the woman in there will start asking you why you're leaving, where you're going. Again, do not engage. This is her way to keep pulling you back into her own reality and have some control. I hate her. So then the only way to get out of this reality is to go back through the same elevator and do the entire game again. But this time, when you get to the fifth floor where that woman would have come in, you press the first floor button to end the game. But if your elevator starts rising again to the 10th floor, just press whatever buttons you can that are under 10 to try to stop it from getting to the 10th floor. You don't want to get back up to the 10th floor because that means that you're closer to being stuck in that reality. Ew. Yeah. First of all, who is that woman? Why is she in the elevator? I hate her. Yeah. This is horrifying. And so there's even like other little notes to say. And it says like, if you get off on the 10th floor and say like you fainted and you wake up and you're like back on the first floor, you know, like say somebody found you and brought you downstairs. um, You have to check your surroundings and see if everything makes sense because you could not be in your reality. Or even if you are because you fainted while you were up there and you never got to finish the game to unseal what you had done, then you could be easily your soul is easier to grab. Ew. So you could be pulled in and out of these realities. It's so creepy. Like, no, thank you. There was a bunch of YouTube videos of people doing it. And I was like, nope, I'm just going to read the instructions. (laughs) No, thank you. And of course, Reddit had tons of stories about it. I don't want to watch them, but like, I'm going to watch them now. Yeah. You, you, You can tell me. But she definitely wasn't, even if she went in, she wasn't playing the game like, she wouldn't have even started the game correctly. I can see why her reactions would be, like, people would want to attribute them to that, though. She presses all those buttons. She's, like, kind of weird and panicky. She's looking for somebody. She looks like she's carrying on one end of a conversation. The woman. She's 
from another dimension. Maybe she wouldn't register on the camera. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. It very, yeah, it could be. I totally get it, but... I mean, that's why people link... The, I mean, I don't think that's what happened, but obviously that's why mm-hmm. people link those two events. Why would you want to be in a dimension by yourself? I think it's just people wanting to know if it could happen. I guess. Just doesn't seem like an end game that I would ever want. Yeah, I don't know. Just a breakthrough reality. I'm going to do this weird shit in an elevator that scares me and then leaves me alone and nearly dead. Yeah, no thank you. That's, I'm good. That's, yeah, the pass. Hard pass. <laughs> Ooh, well, that is another possibility that people on the internet love to speculate about. And I'm sure if you look Elisa up, if you like Google Elisa Lamb elevator game, you will find a ton of frightening information. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that you can bring to our Facebook group later or share with nobody but your own little self. <laughs> oh, my God. That's fine, too. Oh, God. Well, we all know this. that's probably total bullshit, but it fits in with the general theme of our podcast. And it makes Elisa look like a daring multidimensional traveler, so I will allow it. Yeah. <laughs> Next. Elisa also could have been hiding from someone in the elevator. A lot of people speculate that she was... Like the last few posts she made on, I believe her Tumblr, which are not there anymore. Or maybe it wasn't Tumblr. It's something that you cannot know anymore locate. It was maybe yours or Facebook because that's not there. Um, was like going out tonight. Um, those boys are, and then she gets a little bit racist and says that Mexicans are relentless. <laughs> um, <laughs> and hit on her a lot. I don't share those opinions, but I'm just telling you what she said. So people think that, maybe someone had been kind of stalking her and she was getting in the elevator on in a state of like kind of panic. And when she kept looking out, she was trying to see if she could see them and like hoping they weren't following her and that she eventually either went to the roof to hide, like they were chasing her and that's where she ran. And then she tried to hide in the water tank and just couldn't get out or they chased her up to the roof and they put her in the water tank. But would she have to been chased up the fire escape? Yeah. That's assuming that she's either chased up the fire escape or by some strange confluence of events, the doors were left open and the alarm was left disabled. Okay. It's very wild. wild. What else I got? got? Some more. <laughs> um, but also, if she's doing that, she's trying to escape somebody. Why push so many buttons? That's going to make the elevator stop everywhere. Yes. That's not what you want. You want as much time in that elevator with the doors closed and them not with you as possible. And why take all of her clothing off once she was there? Why? Just why? There are a lot of whys that that does not add up properly to. Next, Elisa also could have been attacked by ghosts. Okay, I'm I'm not going to get into this one, but Google it if you're feeling spooky one night. It's like, it's it's kind of like, People prescribing one of those like lip sync videos where Star Wars characters say different things and the words fit, but it's still crazy. Do you know what I mean? It looks like they're saying something Mm -hmm. ridiculous. So you're like, oh yeah, that ghost could fit this video. You could shove that theory into it, but no, there's not really any other proof of that. But people say it was like a paranormal presence and that's why you can't see it in the videos because it's invisible to the camera. Well, we can't rule anything out yet, right? Right. Okay. And it does look like she's talking to someone, someone invisible. So I I get some of that. Fine. 
she also could have been, this is a, oh, this one's really wild. She could have been involved in an elaborate cover story to mask the outbreak of tuberculosis. Ding, ding, ding. Always comes back in the podcast in the homeless population of Skid Row at the time. This is 100% true. At the time of her visit to the Cecil Hotel, the homeless population of Skid Row was crawling with tuberculosis. Now, stay with me. The test used to diagnose TB at the time in that area was called the Lam Elisa. Oh, weird. Which is some weird shit. And you can look that one up too. It is a real medical thing. And I will admit... That is batty. Wow. I will give the conspiracy theorists this one. Okay. Yeah. I don't know exactly how they speculate she ties in completely. Some people say she had TB and they were trying to cover it up. Some people say they they killed her to mask the story so they would focus on this missing girl being located in the water tank and not like the crawling TB all over the place. Um, some people speculate that government agencies were giving the homeless homeless populations TB to get rid of them. There's a lot of nuts stuff in that one. But you know what? The name lines up and it's chilling every time I read it. So I'm speechless. (laughs) I know. It's a lot. And that is very far-fetched and probably just an outlandish coincidence. But it's still there. So it was worth a mention. Now... Here's what I believe really happened. And science backs me up and so do police and psychiatrists and a million other things. But first, I feel like I owe it to Elisa, or Lisa, as she was known by her friends, to introduce her a little bit first. I didn't do that in the beginning of the podcast like I normally do because I wanted these nebulous theories to seem as plausible to a listener as possible. So if you're just looking at the case and you're just attached to that theory, I want you to go, okay, well, that could be a thing before we go into what really happened. So Elisa Lamb was born on April 30th, 1991 in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. She was the daughter of immigrants from Hong Kong who owned and operated Paul's Restaurant, which is a Chinese restaurant in Burnaby, which is a town just outside of Vancouver, obviously still in Canada. Elisa went through elementary and high school or whatever their grade equivalent is in Canada relatively easily. She had friends. She ran track and did normal teenage girl things, but she was not without her troubles. During this time, Elisa had been diagnosed as bipolar, and through the next few years, she would become heavily medicated for her illness, which is not uncommon with people who suffer from bipolar. And bipolar disorder is a lot more complicated than most people are going to give it credit for. Yes, sufferers do suffer from bouts of crippling depression, but they also have bouts of mania. And Elisa's case, in Elisa's case, she would experience manic episodes for weeks at a time. Now, mania isn't simply like extra energy like a lot of people think it is. It's the feeling that you're so wired and so intelligent that you can believe that you're staying awake for days on end to solve the problems of the entire human race. Like, it's consuming and obsessive. So here's a list of symptoms just for your listening pleasure. 
but people experiencing a manic episode may have higher than normal energy levels, be restless or unable to sit still, have decreased need for sleep, have increased self-esteem or confidence or grandiosity, um, be extremely talkative, have a racing mind or have lots of new ideas and plans, be easily distracted, take on multiple projects with no way of finishing them, have decreased inhibitions, have increased sexual desire, engage in risky behavior such as having impulsive sex, gambling with life savings, or going on big spending sprees. During a manic or hypomanic phase, the person may not be able to recognize these changes in themselves. People may mention that they're not acting like themselves, but the person themselves probably won't notice it. More severe symptoms of mania include visual or auditory hallucinations, uh, delusional thoughts, paranoid thoughts, and other psychotic symptoms. So, how do I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Elisa had these symptoms? That's simple. She told me. When Elisa was 18, she entered the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. Sadly, she had an awful time while she was there. She was nearly always depressed and couldn't manage to get herself to class or focus on the classes she could make. In the three years she was there, she could not accumulate the 30 credits it would take for her to move past her freshman year. What she did do, though, was extensively blog her experience. Elisa wrote all about her life and her troubles on a blogspot, in blogspot, in a blog she called Ether Fields, which you can still read, and also in her Tumblr called Nouvelle Nouveau, which I mentioned in the beginning, which you can also check out if you want to. And she describes in detail being cripplingly depressed, horribly lonely. She talks about a lot about um, like unrequited love. And I mean, a lot of things uh, uh, early 20s, late teen would might be feeling dramatic and sad about, but it's, it's next level. She also, however, however, chronicles a hypomanic episode that she has. And I'm just going to, I'm going to read it to you. So these are words that she directly says. It's titled, Adventures in Hypomania, Part 2. I have been hypomanic since Tuesday. All caps. I have to get some sleep or I will crash. Caps off. And I am so scared of how big this one, this crash will be. How do I know this might become, caps locked, the big one? My memory is super compromised on present things right now. It's just ellipsis. I understand everything completely. Fellow bipolars, you may be the only ones who will understand what this is like. With absolute clarity, I understand the universe. My mind isn't just blown. It is the Hindenburg plus Hiroshima plus Nagasaki plus San Francisco earthquake plus a rock concert where the music is so loud your eardrums are bleeding. Like the equivalent of when humans discovered fire, but not as big as the Big Bang. And that's why someone said, parentheses, see memory fail right here, colon. Caps locked. Shit, quick, get me pen and paper. I must write this down before I forget this idea will never reemerge because my memory is failing. Caps unlocked. Ergo, my brain is saying, caps locked. I have so much shit to do because I have to tell people sleeping is useless. Why are you bloody sleeping? That's such a waste of time. This is more important. You finally have connected the dots and you're going to let it slip away. Shit, I bet if you wrote the whole thing down, you could get a freaking Nobel Peace Prize in all the bloody categories. God, why haven't we evolved not to need sleep? Like we have shit to do and are limited most of the time of it spent lying down, just breathing. I mean, all I can do, the lying down I need when I'm dead, parentheses, but not breathing. Breathing is so freaking overrated. I should be able to exist in space in a vacuum. I mean, if the bloody moon can do it, why can't I? The moon just made, is made of cheese anyway. 
Holy fucking shit. That twat motherfucking mare tabernacle. I, yeah. I have never sworn so much because I wasted four years and it has culminated into this one point and you are probably not going to remember all of it tomorrow. Like fucking hell, some people have to devote their whole lives to get a PhD in order to make a discovery that adds this tiny little infinitesimal speck in progress and you have figured out every bloody thing in the span of 48 hours. Caps unlocked. And that is why another someone, parentheses, memory fail number 1291, parentheses, closed, said, colon, you either get it down on paper or you go crazy. I need to learn shorthand. Asterisk. Worded completely differently, of course, but you get the idea. I'm going to be safe and say it's Shakespeare. End post. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not the only one like that. There are a bunch of them. She goes on a lot of times to talk about how she never sleeps. As she said in the gobbledygook that is the cap locks part of this post. Um, and she can't get out of bed. She has a lot of problems functioning normally, feeding herself. She says she's very lonely, but she cannot reach out to people. Uh, she says, um, a lot of anxious people say this too, that she thinks her friends just don't like feel the need to call her ever. They just forget about her all the time. Mm-hmm. But the manic stuff, like this is the most severe one, but there are more than one. And that is how I know. And now you know. Uh, Elisa... I mentioned her Tumblr, sorry. After that, my brain is fried. (laughs) (laughs) She posted extensively on her Tumblr, and she even posted on that after her death. Ah! So some people like theorize that this was done by her killer or her ghost, but in reality, you can just schedule Tumblr to post things regularly. And it was like a Christmas post. Oh, creepy. Just like a picture. So yeah, it's super creepy. And one of them was scheduled like after she had stuff like lined up in a queue, which you can do on Tumblr. I do not tumble, but apparently you can line posts up in a queue to post at certain dates. And she had a couple of those. So, you know, that's, yeah, makes sense to me because tech doesn't know to stop because you're dead. It just keeps going because you told it to. Right. Elisa's Tumblr is all about fashion and depression and Harry Potter and Doctor Who and deep melancholy literary quotations. There's um, like avant-garde artwork and just a lot. It's, it's the portrait of an intensely lonely young woman who feels kind of artsy and misunderstood and is battling hard through crippling mental illness and losing. Oh, man. Yeah. That Tumblr sounds like it could have been mine at one point. Ooh, I mean, there are parts of it that I look at and go, oh my gosh, yes. Every yeah, right. Like late adolescent female has felt all of those things and posted Sylvia Plath and mm-hmm. portraits of like strange evocative artwork and like wanted to be deep. We all wanted to be yep. deep. It's fine. I know. I think I have a Tumblr and I think it's called Under the Covers. Oh my. <laughs> I don't know that I did much with it, but... Except for you were probably more like snuggly and less racy, is my guess. Oh, yeah. Mine was a lot more like getting under, like, I'll be honest with you on here. That kind of... You were going to be real with us. I was going to be real. Okay. But I don't think I did anything with it. (laughs) You weren't that real. You just intended on There might be some like... Like memes on there or something. I love it. I don't know. She also has like a lot of relatable content about like lacking motivation and and having trouble 
following through with her plans. But she also, mm-hmm. to ba- like weirdly balance that out, has a lot of content about how she feels smarter than everybody else. And she doesn't understand why she can't motivate herself. Because if she did, she would be able to like take on the whole world. As you can see in the in the post that I read. Right. Yeah, I mean, it It sounds like she was bipolar. Yeah, I mean, and she so. was diagnosed. and But it's just, mm-hmm. it's, there's so much evidence in words that came directly out of her fingertips. Mm-hmm. And here's the rub with bipolar. From what I understand, it's very difficult to treat. Yes. Because it's like having two illnesses in one and the medication that fixes one thing will op- often amplify the other. Mm-hmm. So you need to regulate your extreme ups and your extreme downs. And the down medicine can make the up worse and vice versa. When the switch flips, things can go from managed to really, really dangerous really, really fast. That that post I read is is like there's one before it that's crazy like that. And then the the one before that is just completely normal. So it comes totally out of nowhere. Here's what we know. Elisa was on a lot of medication. I'll give you the rundown of her prescriptions or rather the pills found in her room cataloged by the police. One, dextroamphetamine, uh, generic name dexedrine. Two, loose 10 milligram capsules. This is a stimulant prescribed for ADHD or ADHD and narcolepsy. She didn't have a prescription for it at this time, but she had in the past. And the loose pills indicate to me that she had merely saved a few and... There are a lot of people that take Adderall just to stay up and focus on stuff. So, (laughs) I don't know. I know it's more common than one might think. Next, Lamotrigine, which is, muggle name is Lamictal. She had 100 milligram milligram pills of that, I suppose, or 100 milligrams of that. I don't know. Anyway, this is an anticonvulsant and mood stabilizer prescribed for epilepsy and bipolar disorder. The next one is quetiapine, muggle name Seroquel, 25 milligrams. This is an antipsychotic prescribed for schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and major depressive disorder. Venlafaxine, muggle name Effexor, which had 225 milligrams. This is an SNRI which is um, a little bit different than an SSRI because it is like two neurotransmitter that you are going to fix instead of one. This is an antidepressant prescribed for major depressive disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, and social phobia. Uh, Bupropion, muggle name Wellbutrin. This is an atypical antidepressant prescribed for depression and to make you stop smoking. There are also two over-the-counter medications on the list, Advil, which we all know what Advil is, and Sinutab, which is Canadian Sudafed. Which, if you don't know, is a decongestant and also one of the ingredients in meth. So it's kind of a stimulant as well. I know that was kind of probably kind of confusing, but I tried to boil it down as much as I could. Uh, Other than the cold meds and the Advil, all of these are medications that are recommended by the American Psychiatric Association to treat bipolar disorder. And they're prescribed to be taken together. So she wasn't like hoarding medication and taking weird amounts of something. That's what those medications that she had were what she was supposed to take. But here's the thing. Toxicology reports that only some of these medications were in her system at the time of her death. So she had taken some of her meds, but not all of them. And here's how that went. The venlafaxine, uh, which was an antidepressant, was present in her blood, the blood in her heart and in her liver enzymes. This suggests that Elisa took that medication the day she died. The Wellbutrin, 
another antidepressant uh, metabolites were present in the blood in her heart and her liver enzymes. This suggests that Elisa took this medication recently, but not the day she died. Um, and bupropion, Wellbutrin, is documented as causing mania in people with bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. uh, the antipsychotic um, are not detected in her blood, so she didn't take her antipsychotic. She didn't take her mood stabilizer either. And there was not enough alcohol in her system, obviously, for her to have had any recreation, recreational drinks that day. So that's not a factor either. No obvious illegal drugs were found in Elisa's system. They tested the blood in her heart for marijuana, cocaine, MDMA, barbiturates, opiates, and amphetamines all came up not detected, meaning she hadn't even taken the dexedrine or the like ADHD medicine that she had in her room. She just had those, mm. but she hadn't taken them. So to sum up, Elisa took at least one antidepressant that day. She had taken her second antidepressant and mood stabilizer recently, but not the day of. And she had not taken her antipsychotic and she had no other drugs in her system. So while Elisa had taken medication that day, she took the wrong medication for what she was going through. Everything in her system is proven to provoke mania as a side effect. So if she was on the edge of a major episode, or as she referred to it, like the big one that was going to overtake her, this could easily be what pushed her off the edge. I know you're all wondering, the video, like what's her weird ass behavior and why did, how did she die? I'm getting there. At her time of death, it is highly probable that Elisa was in the middle of an extremely manic episode and experiencing all that comes with it. The weird hand motions can be explained by something called psychomotor agitation. Psychomotor agitation is defined as a series of unintentional and purposeless motions that stem from mental tension and anxiety of an individual. This includes pacing around, wringing one's hands, uncontrolled tongue movement, and other similar actions. Elisa could have also been extremely paranoid about the elevator's obvious malfunction, and that's why she kept hopping in and out of it and looking around. Why the rooftop? And how did she get there? Okay. If you will look, if you look, sorry, at Elisa's Instagram, which clearly I did, you will see a lot of pictures of rooftops. She liked them. There's even another picture of a different water tower. For one reason or another, she was drawn to them, and she likely climbed through the window on the 15th floor, up the fire escape, and onto the roof. I understand that the water tank is still 10 feet tall, and she can't just hop up there, but there were ladders left on the roof at the time. The one that was found at the crime scene had been moved from pressed up against it to tucked it, pressed up against the water tank to tucked into a corner, but that easily could have done by any maintenance worker that walked by and was like, ladder left out, and tucked it back away. And they probably thought they were preventing an accident from happening. A lot of people are probably also shouting, how did she open that heavy hatch all by herself? That's easy. It was not that heavy. It is not the whole top of the water tower. It is just a little hatch. It weighs approximately 20 pounds, which is less than your average toddler. And why were her clothes off? Well, first, I think she thought she was going swimming. And that's why she took them off. But also... Removing your clothes randomly is a manic symptom, something people who are in a manic episode will do. They'll just take all their clothes off. So 
the one mystery that people are going to latch onto forever with this case is what was the, quote, sandy particulate the coroner found on her clothing. So the medical examiner lists that her clothing and the drying mat that her clothing was laid on had a sandy, uh, like grainy particulate found on it. And they didn't do any kind of post, like examinations on it to find out what it was. They were just like, eh, look, some sand, that's it. And people freak out about this. They're like, where's it from? What is it? What does it mean? Well, my best guess and science's best guess is that sediments found were found in the water because... I mean, it was a big old tower, could have been anything, and stuff that she just brushed into on the roof. I hate to be a god-awful bubble burster, but that's what happened. A lonely young woman had a terrible accident in the throes of a mental collapse. So, why do we want to make it so much more? Well, it's in our very nature to latch on to to the said to the sensational. Scandal is far more interesting than regular life, and this event is so bizarre that we're obviously going to want to make it out to be crazy. But the other reason this whole thing exploded is because of where it happened. It happened in the Cecil Hotel, which just happens to be the basis for the hotel season of American Horror Story. If that gives you any inclination as to how creepy this old Art Deco hotel is, there you go. Also, the hotel has been home to at least 16 unnatural deaths, most of them suicides, several of them jumpers. One woman threw her baby out the window. People also call it the Suicide Hotel. The Cecil also once housed serial killer Richard Ramirez in 1985 and poetic serial killer Jack Unterweger in 1991. The Cecil was also one of the last known locations of former podcast subject Elizabeth Short, better known as the Black Dahlia. So some real dark shit has gone on in the Cecil, and we will do a Patreon episode on that hotel in the future, to be sure. Right. So that's not. So that's just where American Horror Story filmed? No, they didn't film it there. They they based the Hotel Cortez around the Cecil Hotel. So is that... Which is the hotel of H.H. H. Holmes? They added that in there too. They're both kind of like... The H.H. H. Holmes stuff was all the, the tricky stuff in the ho- in the Hotel Cortez okay. on American Horror Story. So like trap okay. doors and secret rooms and stuff, that's all H.H. H. Holmes. With the deco design and all the mm-hmm. like terrible stuff that happens in there, that's the Cecil. Also, okay. in one episode, a character even mentions um, that someone in the hotel once died in the bathtub and... It, it like messed up the water supply. And this is like a little Easter egg to Elisa Lamb. Wow. Yeah. So um, any questions? Because I know I blew through a lot of that. <laughs> no, I I mean, going into this, I I felt like, I felt that it was going to be more of a mental health issue, uh, but I didn't really look at too much of the case. So it was very unsettling with the videos. Yeah. And, but knowing that she has, that she's bipolar and has major manic episodes like that. I mean, it's like a roller coaster ride for it people is. with bipolar disorders. So if she was having something that severe, everything you said made sense instantly. Cause even when I've gotten a little anxious, I know we've talked about this, like I get overstimulated and have to like yep. move my arms and shake them out. And, uh, so everything that she was doing in that elevator just seems correct. Even if she was talking to herself, she could have been going through her thoughts 
to herself. Yeah. But that could have just been her jaw moving yep. to try to move. And I don't know. It's really sad. Really. And she was by herself. So, I mean... I'm sure when she checked in with her parents, they probably, I'm sure she sounded somewhat normal to them. Yeah. She talks so much about being lonely too. Yeah. Which is hard because at that age, like that's, it's not unnormal. It's not abnormal for especially girls to feel that way. No, it isn't. um, To talk about it, you know, guys obviously feel that way too, but they're not as vocal about it all the time at that age. No. Yeah. Um, But women, what? I mean, that's all over your social media all the time. So it's hard to take certain things too seriously, but... Yeah. I don't know. It that's is. really tough. Ugh. This whole thing was like so consuming to research too. It just seemed like there, sure. was, there was so much of her world that you could just drop into because she mm-hmm. left so much behind. So I encourage anybody who wants to know more about Elisa to... To find out more. And I will leave the link to her Tumblr and her blog and her video um, in our show notes. And also, I will link a video done by a Yale medical student that explains all of the chemical reasons why this happened beautifully. That would be interesting. I think what, what I would like our listeners to take away from this episode is to learn more about bipolar disorders in general and... Just so that they, if they don't already, um, they can understand them and they might, you know, they might have realized that they had friends with this and, mm-hmm. or, you know, if you meet somebody new and they have this problem, it just helps to be more understanding. Yeah. And check on your lonely friends. Some people really feel that they can't reach out. They're not being, uh, they're, they're not, I don't know how to describe it. They're not being standoffish. They're not. It's no reflection on you. They just they just lack the ability to like make take that step and to reach out. But they could be profoundly lonely and suffering in ways that you don't know. So, some friends just need a little extra care. That's true. They do. <laughs> you know, you just have to put a little bit more effort into it, and it's worth it. It is. I agree. So go get to know uh, Elisa if you have li- if you've gotten this far in her story. And you've seen her video and you've seen all the sensationalism. Go go look at the stuff she wanted the world to see. Because if she was putting it out in a blog or on her Tumblr, she wanted people to read it. So I feel like we owe her as much. And I have read quite a bit of it. Um, it doesn't make any of this better, but I don't know. You feel like you know her a little more. Toast. <laughs> yeah. Well, Yeah. I would like to toast to Elisa. Yeah, me too. This is a very, very unfortunate and and possibly preventable event. Yeah. Um, so cheers, cheers to Elisa. I wish we could have seen more of what she had to offer the world because I'm sure it would have been pretty awesome. She looked like a pretty cool girl. Cheers. Ooh, ding. And if we were lonely young travelers seeking to escape our inner demons in a historically terrifying hotel... Mm. We would be dead. We would be dead. Thank you for listening to the We Would Be Dead podcast. Hit subscribe now to never miss an episode. Rate and review our show on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Would Be Dead Pod. 
and join our Facebook group to discuss the podcast and more. Pretty spooky, right? <laughs>